0: Welcome to Seize Your Midlife, the podcast exclusively for midlife women. I'm your host, Brie Schumacher. We are going to dive into all the things from health and hormones to beauty and wellness. We'll be asking the question, what's my midlife purpose? And what am I going to do with the rest of my life? We'll also be interviewing women who've taken leaps or made U-turns in midlife. This conversation is going to be engaging, sometimes educational, a little bit funny, and always real. It is my sincere hope that you find your midlife purpose and lead your most fulfilling life. So join us on this journey to seize your midlife. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Seize Your Midlife. I am so glad that you are here today. And I am especially excited because I have a guest on the show today. Lauren Widrick is the founder of Grab Life by the Goals. She's a coach, speaker, podcaster, conference host, and founder of The Squad, which I cannot wait for you to hear more about later in the show. She has coached at Fortune 500 companies and helped over 100 people launch and grow businesses. Lauren has also spoken on stages nationwide. She is here to inspire you to grab your life by the goals as well. And I cannot wait for you to hear all the things about her story and about Lauren just really carving out her own path. So welcome to the show, Lauren.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited, and I feel like you and I have found kindred spirits in one another because we get excited about all the same things, so I know it's going to be a great conversation today.
0: Oh, my gosh. So true. Okay, so let's dive in, and the first question I always ask on the podcast is, how old are you?
1: I am 40. I just turned 40 a few weeks ago.
0: Well, welcome to midlife. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And where are you right now?
1: Oh, yes. So I live in Fort Mill, South Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte. And I'm currently in a guest bedroom recording this podcast because the carpeting helps with the acoustics.
0: Hey, perfect. I'm like (laughs) talking into like a little box that I'm going to have to show everybody on like Instagram so you can see. It's hilarious, but it makes for good acoustics. And I am also in Fort Mill, so we are neighbors. Yeah, and Fort Mill is poppin'. I said when I lived in Uptown Charlotte in my
1: younger days, I'm never moving out to the suburbs, but here we are and I actually really enjoy it.
0: (laughs) I love it. Poppin'. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I just want to get into your story because there's so much to your story and I'm so excited for everyone to hear about it. It sounds to me like right out of college, you get the job that you can literally brag to your friends about. Is that right? Yeah,
1: so I went to college in Ohio graduated on a Saturday, drove to Charlotte on a Sunday and started work at Wachovia Bank on a Monday at this really fancy like associate program. So yeah, it was a really good job right out of school. I was very proud of myself and I thought I was like a fake Carrie Bradshaw moving to the city. Although minutes after I got to Charlotte, I was like, where's the subway? Oh, the city's a lot smaller than I thought it was.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. But this job that had been like your quote unquote dream job isn't as you think it's going to be. And at what point were you like, you know what? Like this is just not calling to me anymore.
1: Well, it's funny because the job was in IT. So my degree was in marketing and information systems. I had to like a dual degree. And what I always really wanted to do was marketing and a creative pursuit, but I kind of learned in college that at least this is what they told us, that doesn't pay very well. And so I was like, okay, well, let me tack on this other major of information systems. And then that's the job I ended up getting right out of school. And Bree, between us, I kind of knew right away this wasn't what I was going to be passionate about. I was combing through lines and lines of software code looking for defects, like very boring job. So I quickly took a management track. um, And over the course of the next 10, actually more like 11 years, I rose the ranks in banking really fast, mainly because I'm really bad at technology, but really good with people. So they just put like five people under me and then 12 and then 24 and then 60. And I look up and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have teams on three continents. But what are we doing? We're working on bank software. Yeah. So I did have the epiphany kind of all along the way that this isn't what I was passionate about, but it was a good on paper job. It paid well. Here in Charlotte, working in banking is kind of like a cult, like you're part of this fraternity of people who work in banking. So it was hard to reconcile because it was a good situation, but I was not... Fulfilled or, or happy with it.
0: So another job opportunity comes up, and you're like, ooh, this looks a lot better for me. So what was that like? Because it sounds like that was also like a chasing a shiny object job.
1: It was, it really was. So at one point I lifted my head up. It was after the birth of my first daughter, or she was one or two. And I looked up and I'm like, I have been at the same company for over a decade. Maybe I'll start to put some feelers out. And so just you know, manifestation. A job opportunity literally dropped in my LinkedIn inbox and I applied for it. I got it. It was at this really cool, small tech company, not a startup by any means, but it just felt like a startup culture. It was so different from what I did in banking. So I got over to this company and it really kind of felt like a dream job. It was so cool and fast moving, but it did not last very long from the moment I got hired to the moment I got fired was about 18 months. And that wrecked me. Getting fired from my dream job was like a total identity crisis.
0: Oh my gosh. So, I, and I can imagine because I think a lot of times getting fired is like so much more about your ego and your ego getting bruised than it is about the job. So, your life kind of gets, kind of shaken up as well as your, you know, your self-esteem. So what happens from there?
1: Yeah, you said it right. I mean, I shouldn't have been as devastated by getting fired as I was, but it, it really did wreck me mentally. I can't explain why. And I think it's because it's the first time in my life I'd had a real failure. You know, mm-hmm. I was an A student in school with a double major and got the great job out of school and rose the ranks quickly. And then I hop over to take this risk and the risk didn't work out. So not only did I feel ashamed that i got fired from my job i also felt ashamed that i made a poor choice like a bad judgement call and that affected my marriage it affected my parenting it affected kind of who i was as a person it was it was bad like it was really i was drinking so much during that phase i ended up going back to the bank and got a great job and it what was awesome is i was making more money than i'd ever made I had no team. I was an individual contributor. So in the past, when I was at the bank, I had 60 people under me. This time I had no people under me and I was making more money. So an easier job, a better paying job. And I was the most miserable I've ever been because I'm like, what am I doing? None of this matters to me. I left this place. No amount of money is going to make me happier. What am I doing with my life that's of significance? It was just, it was so rough. And that was when I stumbled upon my first life coach, which changed everything.
0: Oh my gosh. And I can imagine because I feel like when you go back to something, it does feel like taking a step back even if it was a better paying job. You know, you, yeah. left, you left the banking industry for a reason and here you were back there. So you get this life coach and it really changes you. And at some point you think, I think I want to be a life coach. So talk a little bit about that.
1: I think I secretly always wanted to be a life coach, which is why I entertained meeting this person in the first place. But I had had such a healthy dose of skepticism because I'm like, is this a real job? Does this really work? Is this like unlicensed therapy? What is this? And so I ended up, you know, I met her, I felt a connection and I worked with her. I think I signed a three month contract. And within three weeks, she was like, what do you really want to do with like, can we just get real? Have you ever stopped to think about what you really want to do? Because all these years you've been prioritizing money and, and status and being able to say you work a certain place and, you know, whatever. What do you really want to do? And I said, I would love to do what you do, but I don't know if it's a real job. Like, can you sustain yourself? I make good money at the bank. Can I really leap out and do this thing? And she was like, why not? And that's such a simple question. But I began listing out my objections and my fears. And she's like, all that's figure outable. What's the holdup? So like I said, within a few weeks, I was like, screw it, I'm going to go for this. And I signed up for the world's most rigorous coach training program in New York City and said, I'm going to build this thing as a side hustle. And as soon as I get to the tipping point, I'm going to quit and do it full time. And so that path, it went from just an idea to being something real in like less than a month.
0: I love that because I think so often people dream and then they never leap. So I love that you were like, nope, I'm just going to leap and I'm going to go for this like super rigorous program that's out of state. And it sounds like the second time that you fly to New York because you had to go on the kind of regular, something pretty major happens in your life. What was that?
1: Yeah, you're right. It was crazy. So I signed up for the training program, flew out for the first weekend. It was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Came home and I immediately signed two full pay clients, which is not typical. It's like the universe was smiling on my new business. And then I flew back for the second month, which is what you're talking about, and was in the training program in the hotel ballroom and was like, hold up, some hang on. And I ran across the street to a Dwayne Reed and I bought a pregnancy test <laughs> and took it in the public bathroom and it was positive. And the reason this was so shocking is we were not planning on more kids. Like this is a total surprise pregnancy, surprise baby. I had just started my business weeks prior and was like, what does this mean for all of this? Like Do I quit the business? Do I put it on hold? Do I try and make it all work? It was such a confusing moment. I mean, a joyful moment, but I I remember telling my husband and being like, you are not going to believe this (laughs) when I got
0: home. Oh my gosh, Lauren. I had a similar thing that I took a pregnancy test in a Taco Bell Bathroom on my way home from Minnesota, <laughs> and also called my husband, like, Whoa, a surprise third baby. <laughs> so oh <my> gosh. <laughs> I can totally relate to that moment. <laughs> but on top of it, you've like committed to this huge thing. And so I'm sure it was a really hard decision, but you end up deciding to stick it out, right? I did. And my initial reaction was like, This
1: business needs to go on hold. It's only, you know, a month old. I have a- another young daughter. I'm taking this coach training program. How about I have the baby, go on maternity leave and maybe in a year or two kind of pick this thing back up. And fortunately, I was in this coach training program with assigned coaches and these master coaches and I told them what was happening and they just looked at me and they're like, you can do this. If you want to do this, you can do this. Do you want to be a coach? And I said, yes. They said great? Then the only thing standing in your own way is you. How do we make this work? It was not a matter of it. Will this work? Will this not work? It's a matter of how. So it's a lot of scheduling. It's a lot of boundaries. It's a lot of, you know, intention and discipline and being excited and staying firm to your vision. So I did. I mean, that's exactly what we did. I stayed the course. During the pregnancy, I signed a handful more clients. I had the baby on month 11 of my coach training program and then uh, flew back to New York for graduation. I left Sloan. Her name is Sloan left Sloan and the other daughter at home when she was only six weeks old. So I'm literally pumping every two hours while I'm in New York city, but I did it. We did it, you know, as a team, me my coaches, my husband, my family. And after that, I went back to work and I was really then on my exit path. So it took me another, I guess a year, year and a half after that to finally like grow the business to the point where I could escape. But it was with an infant and a four-year-old daughter and a demanding investment banking job and traveling. And it somehow all worked out.
0: Well, I think the fact that even through your pregnancy and this rigorous educational program that you were in, you were working full-time at like yeah. a major job, like a nine-to-five kind of job. And so that's impressive in and of itself. And I think something that a lot of people think when they, you know, dream of owning their own business is like, um, they get the idea and they're going to walk into their office and give notice and that's it. And a lot of times that's not the best course of action. And it sounds like you were really pragmatic and like, no, I need to like make sure I have what you called an exit plan. And you said it took like a while for you to actually walk in and give your notice. So how long was it between the time that you finish and the time that you're like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm going out on my own.
1: So the total timeline of the side hustle is two and a half years. And I want people to hear that because I think there's a lot of coaches and courses out on the internet that are like, get rich quick, six figure side hustle, quit your job in three months. And that's not a reality for everybody. I knew it wasn't for me because one, I frankly wasn't willing to take a huge step back in my lifestyle. So I could have quit my job and tried to do this coaching thing, but we would have had to sell our house and taken our kids out of daycare. Like we had actually created a lifestyle based on our current income level. And I wasn't willing to give any of that up. And so it was going to have to be like side hustling to the tipping point. So it took yeah. two and a half years. Around the mark of year two, I was actually offered a promotion at work, a really big promotion. And that put me into a dilemma because I'm like, wow, this is a lot more money, you know, or I could take I could take the promotion that's a lot more money or I could go all in on myself. And it was a very tough decision. And my husband was even like, what if you just did this new job for like a year and banked the money and then quit? And when he said that, I'm like, I know that's a good idea, but I just, I just can't, I have to bet on myself. So when they offered me the promotion, I said, no. And they were like, why are you saying no to this? And I said, because I actually intend to leave in June. This was January. I intend to leave in June to do my business full time. So I ended up giving a six month notice. Wow. Okay. And this, you know, if you work in banking, you know, February is bonus season. So for me to tell them this in January, was really risky. Risky. They they (laughs) did not fire me and save my bonus. They, I got to stay. Um, And then, yeah, I exited in June of 2018 and was out on my own in the wild world of entrepreneurship.
0: Oh, my gosh. And so I think what was so fascinating when we talked and and you talked about this moment is that, you know, while you're like working full time and doing this program and all the things, you're getting clients and you're – so you're like getting clients at a pretty good clip. So when Mm -hmm. you leave, you feel pretty good about it. But then things kind of don't take off the way that you're envisioning. What do you think that was about?
1: Oh my God, it was so scary. So yeah, to your point, when I was side hustling, I had a nice little client roster, as many as I could bear while I was working. But after I left out, I had eight hours a day to work on this. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to have so many clients within two weeks. And after about two months, I had hardly any new clients. So I was living off my savings. I I did have a few past clients that were paying the bills, but like, why isn't this working? And I think your energy shifts when you're out on your own and you air quote, have to make the money to get by. It is a very different type of pressure. And again, I want to be honest with people about that. Um, Taking the leap out of the paycheck world into killing what you eat for your income is a total different mindset shift. And it's something that I had to adjust to. And I looked up and I think it was August or September and my husband, and I had one of those tough talks. We're like, is this, is this going to work? And I said, let me give this one more fighting chance. I found this sales coach um, that through a referral and I'm like, let me hire this woman. I just, I don't think I know how to do high ticket sales or how to turn this into a six figure business. And so I hired her and this was, yeah, this was fall of 2018. Q1 of 2019, it was my first six figure quarter. So it didn't even take me a whole year to make six figures. I did it in the first three months.
0: Wow. And so
1: that's what changed everything was hiring somebody who could teach me the sales mindset, the money mindset, the abundance mindset to raise my prices and not be afraid to ask for the sale. And that really did change everything for me ever since, frankly.
0: Wow. And I love that. And I think like you've said now in your story, you hired this life coach. It changed your life. You hired this sales coach. It changed your business. Yeah. And I think so often we feel guilty, especially as moms, as wives, to invest in ourselves. But if you wouldn't have made those investments, you wouldn't be where you are now. And so I think it's really important for people to like grab that out of this conversation. And if they've been considering making investment into themselves, like it is never a bad place to invest is in growing your own knowledge or growing your business by spending money on yourself, right? Well, you're right. And
1: I've looked back over the years, I think it was last year, I did a tally of all the money I've ever spent on coaching and education and the number kind of blew my socks off. I was like, oh my God. However, when I look at the amount of money I've made in my business and then the type of lifestyle I've been able to create, I think the ROI has been well worth it the entire time.
0: That's awesome. I love that. And one of my friends, um, Shannon, who has been on the podcast several times is a life coach, and she was like the person that encouraged me to like spend the money on investing in yourself. But I I think it really is hard. So I hope everyone takes this call as an encouragement to do that. So – Lauren, I just have to say, I first heard you speak and was introduced to you in general um, at the live Wake Up to Your Life event that Colleen Odegaard had, and you Mm -hmm. were kind of co hosting with her. And you got up there and you were like swearing and like like sexual innuendo (laughs) and all these things. And I was like, whoa, like kind of blown away because my background before I was a full time entrepreneur was in corporate. And I think I even carried the like super buttoned up professional corporate, you know, life into my business in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I had never heard somebody in a professional setting like, you know, throwing down the F-bomb and whatever. And it's funny. I kind of was like, whoa. But I remember walking away and I followed you on Instagram and just watching the things that you said. And I was like, you know what? Like, Her ballsiness, which is probably a made-up word, but whatever. That's what I'm going to call it. Her ballsiness is her secret sauce. Like, I had never seen anybody do that before. And I just, like, I don't know. It just really blew me away. And so I just have to ask you, like, when you are talking about this stage where you start your business and whatever, like, were you – Creating your business, or did you go into your business with this idea that you were going to be so unapologetically yourself? Is that how it started off?
1: No, that's not at all how it started off. So, when I first escaped corporate, I was branding myself as an executive coach because I'd kind of figured out, or at least I thought, that executive coaches made more money and had more esteem. It was kind of some of that hangover from my old days in corporate, trying to rise the ranks and get a certain job title. I think I wanted to be seen a certain way. And so I renamed my company the Widrick Group. Uh, Spoiler alert, there was no group. It was just me. (laughs) Um, My website was super boring. It was talking about like human optimization in the workplace, whatever. And I was making good money. And this is especially when I was traveling around, you know, coaching at Fortune 500 and leading big workshops and whatnot. But I felt. Like I was trapped in a box. I don't know how to explain it. I've always been this way. I've always had this side of me that's the freak flag and the penis jokes and the F-bombs, but I, that all of that was on a shelf. And I remember going to a retreat with that coach that I mentioned, my sales coach, and talking about this and being like, look, I, I could keep doing what I'm doing and make plenty of money and do whatever, but th- this just isn't me and I'm going to drop an F-bomb. So forewarning, if you have kids in the car or whatever, but I was in a room with my coach and some of the people in my cohort, and they were all like, fuck corporate. <laughs> you don't corporate. You quit corporate so that you could be your own person and do it as you want to do. And that was the summer of 2019. And I specifically remember that was a turning point for me where I'm like, I am just going to be myself, say what I want to say. And I started putting things on LinkedIn and they weren't F-bombs and they weren't like penis jokes, but they were a little bit saucy and a little bit like, "Mm, should I really put this on LinkedIn? And I started getting a really good response from it. And then of course I moved over to Instagram and I just, I started talking the way that I talk. And the more that I do, the more I magnetize the types of people I want to work with and sales becomes easier and I have more fun and I feel like myself. So yeah, it took a minute. It took, you know, a couple of years of unlearning, you know, trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be and just being who the hell I want to be. It's so much better this
0: way. And I just love that so much because I think once you finally just said, this is who I am, like unapologetically, like I swear I make penis jokes, I whatever, you know, like you say, let your freak flag fly. You were a magnet to the right people for you. And I think that's such an important lesson. And so, at what point were you like, I'm just gonna? Because when I look at your website, your website screams Lauren to me. It's like <laughs> it's not, it's not like you know the typical. Like I've never seen a life coach website talk like that or whatever. I think it's so unique. But at what point were you like, I'm going all in with this?
1: A good question. I don't know if it was at one point. I think the more I let it sort of peek out, and I got a certain response from it, I'm like, okay, I'm going to lean in. So I think it was. I mean, that moment of 2019 where I was like, I'm just going to do what I want to do uh, at that coaching retreat was a big moment. And then after that, I'm like, okay, one day, the reason I make all the penis jokes in my business is one time I was coaching a client and I was making like a, like a revenue tracker for her. And it looked like one of those fundraising thermometers. Have you ever seen those? where like, it's kind of, you yes. chart? so you make a thousand dollars and you color it in. Well, the one that I drew accidentally was shaped like a penis and we were laughing so hard about, you know. <laughs> this. And I posted a picture of it on Instagram and people died over it. And they're like, of of course, of course you're tracking her monthly revenue in a penis tracker. And I'm like, okay, that's going to be, I'm going to keep making the penis jokes. And I'm going to keep talking about like, you know, all the funny things that we do, because here's the thing. This is a big pillar for me. There are plenty of goal coaches out there. There are plenty of people that will help you set your goals and hold you accountable to them. But to me, that's not enough. To me, that's sort of like project management. I'm over here wanting you to have a really crazy fun experience of it along the way because we've all hit goals and sometimes they feel great and sometimes they feel like nothing. And I want you to feel exhilarated the entire time, not just when you hit the goal.
0: So Lauren, one of the things that you talked to me about and I listened to an awesome speech that you gave about this was how being so authentically yourself has its challenges. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's true. Cause
1: we were just saying that when you are yourself and you put your freak flag out, it really does magnetize the people that you want to be around and that you can serve, but it also repels people for sure. Like I know that night that when when we met, I was on stage saying all the things that I was saying and I guarantee there were people in the room that were like, who is this chick? I know. I just know. <laughs> <laughs> and that takes a lot of inner work to get right with the fact that when you put yourself out there, you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be judged. I have an episode of my own podcast about this called The Risk and Rewards of Authenticity. And there are risks and there are rewards. And you just have to get your mind right about it and kind of um not get a thicker skin, but learn how to regulate your own nervous system when you know that you're putting something out that people are going to have feelings about
0: good and bad. <laughs> so it takes some work. Yeah, I bet. Because, I mean, I think we're just by nature. Like, our feelings get hurt when people say mean things or whatever. So it does take some bravery. But like you said, like, that's when your business really took off. When you just said, this is who I am and Mm -hmm. my people will find me. And they have. And one of the coolest things that you've done is create something called the squad. Talk about the squad. The
1: squad is amazing. You know, I've been in business for over seven years now. This is the thing I've created that I'm the most proud of. So the way it was born is, you know, after that moment in 2019 where I was like, fuck corporate, I'm going to do what I want to do, I started teaching people how to create side hustles so that they could escape corporate. And, you know, that's what I did. I coached so many people through it that it became a method. And then I ran that program for two years and then a sister program of it called Sales Swagger. And so I was doing all this business coaching, business coaching in cohorts of like eight to 12 people. And then all of a sudden, every time a class graduated, they would kind of find the alumni and they would find each other on Instagram. And then I'm like, oh, those two weren't in the same class, but they're on each other's podcast and they're hiring each other. And this unintentional organic community kind of started to form and everyone started calling themselves or us the squad. And so about a year ago, it occurred to me that all of these people wanted to be together in a room so they could support each other's businesses, support each other's lives. And my husband and I were sitting on the back deck one night and I'm like, how do I do all of this? How do I do business coaching and life coaching and all the courses that I've done and the events that I want to do? Like, What is the business model for this? It feels kind of squirrel-brained and scatterbrained. And he goes, no, not at all. Put it all under one membership. That way people don't have to just sign up with one thing for you. People might want to start a side hustle and they might want to work on their happiness and they might want to do a career change in the middle of all of it. Why can't they come work with you on all of it? And I'm like, yes, that's it. And so it just, the idea was born and it was launched in June, 2022. So a little less than a year ago, and we're up to 75 members right now. And it's people who are entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs and lifepreneurs, as I like to say. So we're doing all kinds of things like career changes, we're doing wellness, we're doing happiness, lots and lots of business coaching and business training. But it's really a one-stop shop for leveling up every area of your life and being around people who are doing the same, which is the most important part.
0: Well, and what I love about it, because I think right now, and especially like in the post-COVID era, is that people are just like craving connection so much more than ever. And the squad also has, like, in-person events. And you meet weekly, uh, you know, online, but you also see each other in person. And I think that there's something that's very, like, craveable about that. And that it's not just your typical coaching program. It's like a whole thing. And like you said, people are connecting with each other. They're making friendships. They're you know, getting knowledge from other people that are in the squad. It really is so innovative and I just have loved watching you create this thing. Oh,
1: thank you. Yes, I feel like you totally get the essence of it because I have been through and led a bunch of different coaching programs, business coaching, life coaching, executive coaching, and it's great and it's nice to have focus, but I believe we're integrated whole humans that are typically working on more than one goal. So instead of having to hire like 18 different coaches and they don't all talk to each other, why not come into this one container that addresses the, the whole human? We have courses and programming and people for all of it. And it's just, it's, it's been really magical, to be
0: honest. It's so cool. And I will definitely put more information in the show notes for everyone that wants to learn more about the squad because it is very cool. And your motto has kind of been grab life By the goals. And you talked to me about how, like, that can even be for people who don't have their own businesses. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's not called grab your business by the goals for a reason. Even though a lot of people in our world are entrepreneurial in some way or another, it's grab life, grab life by the goals. It's kind of a cheeky twist on like grab life by the balls. And it means like you should enjoy your life along the process. Like I, I mentioned this earlier. It's very easy to set goals and to just work toward them with accountability and discipline, but you got to enjoy your life. And some of those goals have to be around happiness. That is ultimately it. I mean, we teach on so many different topics from, like I said, business, career, life, systems, all kinds of things, but it all comes down to happiness. And that's why grabbing life is so important, just to to grab it and wring the most out of it that you can.
0: I love that and I just think it's so important for midlife women to really like grab onto that and be like, you know, grab your life by the goals because you're a lot of us have more of our life behind us than in front of us now. And I think it's so important more than ever to like seize your midlife, um, grab your life by the goals, all the things. And another thing that you talk about that I think is really pertinent to women in midlife, and so I really want you to speak to them in particular, is stop dicking around. Can you, <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say about that to all these women that are listening?
1: Yes. Okay. So thank you for bringing up quit dicking around. It's one of my like catchphrases. And on the surface, it seems a little harsh, like somebody saying to you, like, come on, man, quit dicking around. But it's really a message about messy action. So what midlife women, especially high-performing women, tend to do is overthink. We love to sit back and plan and you know, get out the whiteboard and try and make everything perfect. But when we do that, we actually prevent ourselves from taking real action toward our goals. And so I would rather you take quick, messy, imperfect action. I would rather you take the wrong action than no action at all. But so many of us high performers want to sit back and plan and think. But I I have another little catchphrase that's related. You don't need a plan. You need a prototype. You need to create something and get it out in the world so that you can iterate and fix it and make it better. So it's, uh, it's tough love. It's not like, what's wrong with you? You're dicking around. It's, you're amazing. Quit dicking around. Like your gifts need to be out in the world.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And actually, my friend Carrie, who I helped start a business on a previous episode, we talked about that because she said, I was like, just get started. Like, stop. Like you said, like, quit ticking around. Like, just get started. And she told me that was the most valuable piece of advice I gave her because you're right. Like, we are a pros and cons, like – Perfect website. Like that's kind of our culture and the way that we act. But like if you're constantly editing and whatever, you're never doing. Yeah. And so I just think like more than ever, women that are in midlife need to just take the leap and do the things. And so I love that. Quit dicking around.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And here's the thing. There are a lot of us, you know, I love it. Seize your midlife It's grab life by the goals. I also call it the millennial life crisis too. So when, when you get to be exactly where we are in life, a lot of your life is behind you, but you also have 30, 40, 50 years ahead of you. And you're asking yourself, am I really going to do this, you know, for the next 40 years of my life? And for a lot of us, the answer is no. Like, am I really going to work in banking for the next 40 years of my life? For me, it was no. However, you can get started on changing that today without having to like bet the farm. Do you know what I mean? So like if you want to make a career change, you don't have to quit your job today. You can just start putting feelers out there for a different job or maybe start thinking about your side hustle or take a pro bono client or just begin because you can't predict the whole path, but every time you take a step, new information is revealed, and then you can follow that breadcrumb and that breadcrumb
0: and you never know where it will lead you. Yeah, I love that. I think it's such an important message. And another thing that we talked about was this um, make a time your bitch <laughs> and how that has just been something that people love. Um, so can you talk about, because I know that's a free resource on your website that everyone is going to need. So will you talk a little bit about that and where people can find it? Oh my gosh.
1: So yeah, if you go to my website, laurenwidrick.com and scroll down to the section called Free Shit, the first one there is is a guide called Make Time Your Bitch. And it goes along with the, the episode of my podcast by the same title. But it's an interesting topic, right? Because for so many people at our stage of life, there's so much they want to do, but there's no time, right? They're raising families. They've got demanding careers,
0: et cetera. Lauren, I literally sent my husband a text today that said, how can I work or create like my company? If I'm also, a, like, being a stay-at-home mom, like, it's not working out for me. <laughs>
1: so it, It's hard. Yeah. You're right. Like,
0: the time, I feel like it is the, the thing that we're all like, oh, my God, I need a clone or I need more than 24 hours in a day. Like, it is so hard. But I think you're right. Like, you were able to accomplish this big thing while you were pregnant, while you were going to school, while, you know, I think a lot of times it's about, like, how are we prioritizing our time? And it's been so interesting to me because since I left – my company or sold my company. I had two kids. I had a company with 100 plus employees. I actually started another company while I was doing that. And I felt like I had time. But for some reason now, I'm like, wait, I have no time. And I think it's because I don't use my time in the same way. And yeah. so I'm excited for people to get their hands on this and to make time their bitch, <laughs> like you said. Well, it's so
1: funny you say that because you're right. It's prioritizing, it's, it's all of those things. But make time your bitch is really a mindset thing. Because when I was in coach training, I think it was month five or six when everything was really converging. Like, you know, I was getting more and more pregnant, business was getting busier, work was getting busier, the training class was getting busier. And I was kind of complaining about that to the coaches. I'm like, y'all don't understand. You know, I don't know what y'all have going on, but it does not compare to my workload. And first of all, that was false. That was just a dumb story. I was telling myself, But the coach, the master level coach in the room looked at me and she's like, when did you become Time's bitch? (laughs) And she used language that I use, like this is what master coaches do. So she spoke in the way that I speak. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, you've got this story that Time has you on a short leash and that you have no control over it and that Time's in the driver's seat and you have no choice but to be its slave, basically. And I'm like, well, how do I change it? And She's like, you get in the driver's seat. You have way more choices about your time than you realize. Like you can set better boundaries at work. You can, um, focus instead of being squirrel brained and trying to multitask, like you have choices, you have autonomy, you have to know that. And then once you're in the driver's seat, you, you can change everything instead of being the victim of this thing called time.
0: I love that. I like to say to people, like you are the captain of your own ship. And it sounds like that is that same mentality of like, you can steer the ship in the direction you want to go. Like you're the captain. So I love that. And. Lauren, letting your freak fly has been your secret sauce. And why do you think that's such an important metaphor, even for people who are not going to go out there and make penis jokes and you know talk about their penis pool and you know all the things? Why is that still such an important message for anyone, no matter how buttoned up they are?
1: Yeah, it's a really good question. And freak flag does not have to be freaky stuff, like you said, cursing and making inappropriate <laughs> jokes. The freak flag is the thing that you have inside of you that you're keeping hidden. So it's really funny. I literally just got back from Disney World with my family yesterday, and I was thinking about Elsa. So this is really corny, but bear with me. Elsa had a hidden freak flag. She had this like superpower where she could turn things to ice and make beautiful things out of it, but it made her feel like a freak and like it would hurt people. So she hid it on the inside when actually it was her number one superpower. Mm. So I have a theory that people have a, a desire or a skill or a talent inside of them that they feel like the world won't accept or that they'll never be good enough. And so they keep it hidden, but then you kind of start to atrophy on the inside and you, this is when you get resentment about your life. So as soon as Elsa let it go, she was able to actually, you know, change the world. So again, I know how corny that sounds. I'm fresh off the Disney trip, but it's whatever you're keeping inside
0: of you that you're hiding from the world. I love that, and I think so often that women have incredible gifts that they don't even maybe notice because they come so easily to them, or like you said, there's something that maybe makes them different, and that's what makes them special. So I love that and thank you for sharing that. And I want all the people to follow you on Instagram <laughs> and so tell them where they can find you.
1: Yes, thank you for that. So my Instagram handle is at Lauren Widrick. It's just my name. Uh, My website is laurenwidrick.com, and it's kind of the home base for all things. You can learn more about the squad. You can book a quick intro call with me, download the free resources, check out the podcast. All the goodies are there at laurenwidrick.com. But most of all, if this episode resonates with you, which I believe it does, if you're a subscriber of Seize Your Midlife, I know you're into this stuff. I just want you to know that you're not stuck. And if what you want seems really big and radical and different, that's cool. I did too. And you just have to start one step at a time. And Find people who support you and see the best in you and push you to quit dicking around and take that very next step. And that's what I can be or Bree or anybody in our squad can be for you. Um, Just a sounding board and a resource to help you get that confidence.
0: I love that. And Lauren, I'm also going to share that talk that you, well, I'm hoping that we, you and I can share because it is going to be the next TED Talk. I know it. So good. The one you you. just did. So, so good. You have such a good message and I just love seeing your success with everything. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and your talent.
1: Thank you. It's been amazing.
0: Awesome. And thank you to all of you for listening. I am so humbled and grateful, like always. If you can so kindly subscribe to the show, that helps so much. The more women that find this show, the greater the conversation will be. Thanks so much. Have a great day and let your freak flag fly.